Hello and uh, welcome to the Never Watchers Does the Movies episode 4. Uh, I'm here today with my co-host Pete. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, still feels weird sitting on this side of the chair, doesn't it? <laughs> I suppose it's been... Yeah, this is only this... Uh... I think this is only the second time I've done it. Yeah, you have, and we've got more stuff that you might be doing in the future, so uh, we might announce that later on, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I should probably tell everyone which film we're covering. So mm. the winner of the last um, poll that we did was In Bruges. So uh, just uh, a quick question for you. Um, do you did you really know much about this film going in? Uh, synopsis wise, no. I'm glad it really didn't know much about it, but I'd heard so many people talking about it as potentially one of one of their favourite movies of all time. So high expectations mm. going into this. I'm not going to lie. Right. So I'll just quickly tell everyone about the director and the cast list mm -hmm. and um, a bit of trivia. So. The director is Martin McDonough, so people might know him uh, more recently for directing The Banshees of Isherin, yep. which was uh, released last year. And that's I think that's another one that we've got on our uh, list to cover at some I point. I believe he also did Seven Psychopaths as well. Yeah, yeah, that's another one of his. Yeah. Um, have you seen that? Uh, no, I've never seen a, a Martin McDonough film before. Right. Because yeah, yeah, he's um, he's one of my favourites. Uh, mm. uh, but anyway, yeah, the cast is we've got Colin Farrell who plays Ray, uh, Brendan Gleeson who plays Ken, Ralph Fiennes who plays Harry, Jordan Pertais, um is Jimmy, who is the the dwarf character, mm -hmm. and Clements Posey who plays Chloe. So they're like the main uh, featured characters in the film. Yeah, uh, the film. The film won Best Original Screenplay, BAFTA, Best Screenplay at the British Independent Film Awards, and the only um, actor who won an award was uh, Colin Farrell at the Golden Globes for Best Actor in a Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy. Yeah. So alongside those wins, it did have a host of other nominations. Yeah. Wasn't um, it the fact that Brendan Gleeson was also nominated for a BAFTA for this alongside Colin Farrell, and one of them won? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so some trivia. Um, in order to keep uh, the feeling of the holiday season um, throughout the film, the Christmas decorations were kept in some of the streets of Bruges until the end of March, and that was the town council making. They made an official communication to the people of Bruges, explaining why. Hmm. That's quite interesting, actually. Like, because you wouldn't think that it's like. March or February, March when they're filming it, but yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, so this was a question I was going to ask you. Like, so it is set at Christmas, but to me, it doesn't feel like a Christmas film. Like, I know, I know, there's a great debate about like Die Hard being is it a Christmas film mm -hmm. or not. But um, with this, even though it's set at Christmas, it doesn't feel like a Christmas film to me. No, it doesn't feel in like a, it doesn't feel like a Christmas movie to me either. No, they don't really play on that like the, at all. Really, like mm, the only time they do is having the snow sort of towards the end of the the end of the film. Yeah. Um, another something that I found quite interesting 
this film has quite a large link to Harry Potter. Yes. Uh, and that's because, yeah. yeah. So five of the actors are, um, um, are also in Harry Potter uh, in some degree. So we've got Ralph Fiennes, he plays Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Brendan Gleeson, he plays a character called Mad-Eye Moody. Yep. Clements Posey plays um, a character called Flor Delacour. Yeah, I can't we, remember who that look, is. we better not talk too much about it, otherwise we might ruin Kenny Potter. All oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not those particular characters, but I know who they are, obviously. Yeah. Well, that's. Well, say um, Colin Farrell also makes an appearance yeah. in the films, and um, he someone called Kieran Hines, but his role in this film is the priest who gets killed. So mm-hmm. his role isn't it, that large. It's, in this. it's a very minor role. It's like a minute and a half, maybe two minutes stops. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that was quite interesting. Yeah, interesting. Now so, I did find a um, a bit of trivia myself. It was one that I knew mm. you probably wouldn't stumble across or even write because it's quite rude. Okay. Uh, the 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 f word and its derivatives are, are used over 126 times over 107 minutes, working out as 1.18 f words per minute. <laughs> uh, I do have to say it has one of the best deliveries of the F word um, um, it, it has some of uh, look I'll go into that later I've, I've got a point yeah, I want to yeah. make about that okay so let's let's get into before we get into the plot mm-hmm. w- what did you think like I said this had high expectations um, it was going to be very difficult to deliver on the high expectations oh does it deliver this is probably going to go very much into my top 10 best movies of all time. Wow. This is fan-bloody-tastic. Wow. Mm. Oh. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I can't disagree with you. I didn't ex- I, I expect it to go into your top 10. Yeah, it's, um, it's unbelievably good. Like, it's such a simple premise, but, you know, it's delivered so well with... Excellent performances by Farrell and Gleason, uh, and Fines when he's introduced later on in the movie. Um, the dialogue is so snappy and so, like, believable. Like, you know how you get these sort of Hollywood scripts that it doesn't feel like it's a natural conversation, but it seems that Martin McDonough, like, in this movie, definitely knows how to do great dialogue. Um, it, yeah. It's punchy, it's effective, you know. It tells you everything you need to know about the scene. It's it's littered with comedy, but also dark moments as well. And it is so up my street. This is everything I wanted out of the film. Mm. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, yeah, this film, so I, at A-level, I, um, you know, like when you do A-levels mm-hmm. in, in your first year, um, I think you get to choose four subjects and then you drop one of them for the second year. Yeah. Um, well, in that first year, I did film studies and this was one of the films that I um, that I studied. Nice. I mean, similar to, similar enough, I did media studies. So first year of me doing media studies, we, we covered action movies. So uh, that was my mm. first introduction to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, nice. Yeah, for, for me it was this film formed a part of um, a course where I was looking at British films. Oh, so nice. 
uh, sorry, Brit British crime film. So we had to look at In Bruges, um, Hot Fuzz, and one called Bullet Boy. Okay. So it was like different perspectives of British crime. Okay, yeah, I can't say I've ever heard of Bullet Boy. It's it's it's, a, it's like a London gangland kind of um, film about like this um, kid that gets killed by a gun. Um, okay. Like you know, like the stories that we often see in the news these days, unfortunately, uh, about um, young kids getting wrapped up in gang culture. Unfortunately, so yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into the plot. Yeah. So. Carrying out the orders of the inexperienced hitman Ray, um, he um, shoots a priest during a confession. Um, but accidentally, so this I'm just laying this out. I know this happens of later course, in the yeah. film, but this this is just the reason why they sent to Bruges because during this, after killing the priest um, as part of the confession, uh, he accidentally kills a young boy in in the church at the same time. Um, so both. Yeah, this is the most accidental death like I've seen in a while. It's like yeah. he shoots the priest. Like I'm pretty sure the priest probably would have got away with just one shot, maybe two. Oh yeah. But he mm. he, he fires an entire clip into him, or you know half yeah. a clip into him, and yeah, bullets go through flesh. So <laughs> there has to be an exit wound somewhere. But I guess he didn't see well, the boy behind him. Well, yeah. It, it just shows how inexperienced he is because a yeah he kept shooting him after he was well dead yeah but the fact that he shot the boy as well just shows that maybe he didn't check to see if the building was empty yeah the annoying thing is about that scene when it shows of like later on that what what he actually does Ray he's so cool leading up to that point yeah he's just he's just like how oh, kill people for money it's like so blasé about it and he's just You'd think he's experienced, and then when he actually goes to do the deed, yeah, it just it just goes wrong. Slight nitpick here that I've just thought about. Mm -hmm. In that scene, we see uh, after he has shot the boy and realises what he's done, yeah. uh, Ken races in and, like, grabs him yep. and, like, pushes him out. Surely, because that, that happens pretty quickly, I'd assume that Ken is, like, somewhere in the church oh, it, waiting for it to happen it, so wouldn't he have seen this this little boy there and like made sure he was, wasn't there uh, like sure he might not have thought that um, the the vicar was going to he wouldn't have foreseen that the kid was going to get killed as well but it would be quite traumatic for the kid you wouldn't want him there no of course not but maybe what it was is that um uh, Ken was just given orders by Harry to sort of go leave him at arm's length, let him do the job, you know. Make sure it doesn't go mm. off without a hitch, though. Which is probably why he's exiled to Bruges as much as um, as much as Ray is, to some degree. Yeah. I know, obviously, like later on in the movie, he's it's he's intentionally there to go and take him out, basically, and give him a good time. But yeah. Um, I, I, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if Harry thinks that both of them completely messed this up yeah so and initially yeah they're, they're sent to bruise and are told to await further instructions but none of them neither of them sorry really know why yeah um, 
Ken finds the trip um, an absolute delight. He thinks Bruges is beautiful and wants to do all sightseeing, whereas Ray absolutely hates it. Oh, he's so, with pa- uh, passion. This is where like I was on board, like almost almost immediately. It was like it's where he he's doing the dialogue and he's like, I didn't even know where Bruges was, and then he just like goes silent for a second. It's in Belgium, <laughs> and it's mm. like <laughs> it's totally it completely sets the tone for how like how the, the like the comedy is going to be delivered and i was on board straight away it's just unbelievable but yeah he's yeah. he's so nonchalant he just doesn't want to do anything does he he's, it's n- no it's like whilst yeah whilst ken is sightseeing he's just like sitting in the the square rather just rather be absolutely anywhere else and this is where we come into the first scene of the film where you get to see the dark comedy mm. aspect. So, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, go on. So, when he's, um, Ken is sat in like the town square whilst Ray has gone up the tower, yep. um, a group of Americans come up to oh, God. big Americans. <laughs> and yep. basically, yep. it's a fact shaming joke uh yes it is it's oh my god i i know it's wrong to laugh at this sort of thing but it was bloody hilarious like i do because it's not just this but there's other moments in this film where i'm not i'm not sure whether it whether martin mcdonough would have still chosen to use the same dialogue who knows i'm not particularly sure because uh, like banshees of insurance there's some stuff in that which is a bit near the knuckle yeah but it's i think in bruges on another level yeah i f- it's it's made at the same time it was a 2008 movie and you have to remember that's when tropic thunder also came out which is very sort of on the nose as well i right. it's it was a particular time in Hollywood where people were pushing the boundaries of what they could do with comedy, but then it was a few years after that where I think uh, sensibility started to change and people st- stopped so much making jokes that were, let's say, necessarily easy to make, like quote unquote fat shaming, you know? So, yeah. you know, those, but that's the thing though is that if, if that's your style of humour, everyone has a different thing has a different sense of comedy that they particularly like and it just so happens that dark humour happens to be mine so it's probably why this film resonated with me as much as it did because this is darkly comedic yeah very much so um, yeah because yeah, as we'll come on to there's some other very dark comedy yeah. later on but that, uh, that, another... that entire interaction though is just completely absurd though isn't it it's just yeah, <laughs> uh, I also liked as part of, as part of this scene, or it's just before it when um, Ken wants to go up to the tower and he has the um, he's talking to like the ticket office guy. Oh yeah, who, and he's trying to put all the change down. Yeah, <laughs> and, then he, and and he says you're happy in your work. <laughs> yeah, that that really made me laugh. Look, everyone's had that moment where they've encountered some complete jobs worth like individual who, <laughs> like, who's not going to let you get away with ten p, ten cents, a penny, or anything. So you are you literally just look at them, it's like, and think, 
and he's just saying what everyone wants to say yeah well, that guy gets his comeuppance later on in one of my favourite parts of the film. Yeah, he does. But I also like the fact that even though he's trying to pay with change, like he then just slaps a 50 down. It was like, yeah, I'm going to make you work for this still yeah. by making sure I ruin all your change. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, as yeah, later on, um, they go back to the hotel and I, th- I think Ken eventually persuades Ray... Uh, or, or, I think they to go out in the evening. Yeah, and they go out for a drink, around. don't they? Yeah, and this is where Ray um, comes across the uh, the film that's being filmed, the set. Uh, yeah, so this is and where Chloe and Jimmy are involved. Yeah, so Chloe is um, initially, I think she's working on the set where she's actually a local drug dealer, Moonlighting as a production assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, he arranges to go on a date with her um, and they go back to, b- before that but that happens the next evening before that they go back to the hotel there's a funny scene with Ray coming in um, very late whilst Ken is tucked up in bed yep and he's a, he might be a little bit drunk yeah and it turns out as well that they missed the call from Harry whilst they were both out that evening now funnily enough actually when I was listening to the voice of Harry because obviously you don't see him until about halfway through the movie I just didn't realise it was Ralph Fiennes yeah well yeah because he's got a very London accent hasn't he Uh, he has yeah Uh, we'll definitely get onto that London accent later on when it really comes out in a particular scene yeah um, so yeah we have the date where Ray takes Chloe to a restaurant and they both get into an argument with a Canadian couple who is mistaking them for um, well sorry Ray mistakes them for Americans yeah isn't this um, isn't this at the same time that um, Ken stayed back at the hotel trying to dodge the yeah. fact that uh, Ray's actually gone out yeah even, even though towards the end of that bit he's just like make sure you get rid of him anyway it's like, so he's done all of that to then be told to get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It's so weird. Uh, yeah, so he gets, Ray gets into a fight with the uh, Americans and punches um, uh, the woman. And uh, Chloe is, um, she thinks that he's going to be like a, uh, a woman beater, uh, but he assures her that he isn't. No. Because um, there's the joke about. It's the fact that she came to at me with a bottle. Yeah, because so all bets are off. <laughs> yeah, they have that interaction earlier on in the film, like between Ray and Ken, where it's like, "What if she's coming at you with a bottle?" Yeah, and, yeah. And it, like that's what I find is that certain little dialogue cues, and it's uh, it was it's very typical with Edgar Wright's style of like filmmaking, where little dialogue cues end up happening later on in the movie, and it's it's brilliant. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, sneezed um yeah so chloe takes ray back to the apartment where they begin to have sex but then her ex-boyfriend eric appears and threatens ray with a handgun oh for goodness sake this is a mess this is a complete mess yeah also very funny because he disarms him fires the gun but the the gun is loaded with blanks and he fires it straight into the guy's eye blinding him in uh, 
in in the eye. I mean, to be fair, he could have killed him by doing that because blanks. It has been known that blanks can kill people. Oh yeah, sure. Well, yeah, because that happened recently with um, Alec Baldwin. Uh. Don't I, I don't know specifically with Baldwin. I thought it was the fact that they were test firing on a range and that someone had accidentally left a live a live round in there. Um, right. It had happened on a film where someone had put put a gun to the temple, uh, despite having a blank, but it had actually fired um, so much force that it broke a bone in the skull and went into into the temple and killed them. So right. quite horrible, actually. So yeah. yeah, despite being like, yeah, the lucky escape. Yeah, but then, um, then yeah, he's got an eye patch on for the rest of the movie when you do see him, and he's particularly annoyed about it. Let's say, and, yeah. and so you would be. Yeah, yeah, because both of them actually work together to rob Taurus, um, and I think Eric thought that this um, that Ray was another tourist. Yeah, and. Even though Chloe had like insisted that Ray wasn't to be targeted and just like go out for the evening or whatever, just don't come back. No, but he still comes back anyway. Yeah. Um, following that, um, so yeah, Ray. So Ken, he's a bit. He's rather upset at the fact that he's been told that he's got to kill Ray, mm-hmm. um, and he goes on a bit of a bender just to like, I guess, drown his sorrows. Um, yeah, so does, both him doesn't he get into an argument with someone in the bar as well as a result um, he has a slight interact like interaction with the bartender yeah but it's, I wouldn't say it's a full blown no but he, ha- he has a disagreement with him to some degree to some sense but yeah yeah um, yeah so following that both him and Ray go on a night of debauchery with the dwarf actor Jimmy, who um, he's hired a prostitute, and um, yeah, they, go, they start taking cocaine. And this is another moment of very dark comedy where he talks about having there being an up- upcoming war between the blacks and the whites. <laughs> yeah, this was just absurd. This is just completely absurd. <laughs> Like, yeah, this was another moment where I was thinking, would this, what would the reaction be to this today if it was released in cinemas today? No, I, I, don't I honestly don't know. To be honest, I was watching this film quite early this morning. Um, <laughs> I thought I was still, like somewhat still half asleep when this was happening. I was like, <laughs> what the hell is going on? And then, like, yeah. I, I do like the bit later on, like, where he meets up with him and he's talking about the, the impending war, like, to um, to Jimmy again. And he's just like, cocaine. It was cocaine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Ken gives him a... asks him a question about how he was married to a black woman who got killed by a white man. Yeah. So where would he stand in this war? Oh yeah, 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 I forget about that. Jesus, yeah, that, it it goes pretty dark quickly. Mm. Uh, but that pretty much following that discussion, they uh, they both leave um, back to the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry calls up Ken, uh, yeah, and he, he's ordered him to to kill Ray and. Um, so is this a, when he when, sees it as well. I was going to say, is this the first time you, on screen you see uh, Harry when he's having this conversation? 
Yes. Okay. I think I believe. So. Um, actually, no, I don't think it is. I don't know. I don't. I think that's a little later okay. when we find out that he didn't oh, end up killing yeah, yeah. It's, Ken. Yeah, first we have that moment where he's got to go and get the gun, hasn't he? Yeah, so he, he goes and collects the gun from one of Harry's local contacts called Yuri, who is a weird guy. Uh, yeah. Um, and then Ken tracks Ray to a park and he's on his way to go and kill him. He... But then we see that um, Ray was actually about to kill himself because he's so distraught about the killing of this boy. Yeah, this is what I found really interesting about it, actually, because obviously you know about what's happened at the beginning, but you don't see it, like, what's really happened. You know he's killed someone. So you just think this whole entire trip, the first, like, from anything before this moment, he's just being a whiny child, just being a bit annoying and all that. But no, he's actually genuinely devastated by what's happened. Mm. It's making him act like completely out of character, I guess, because you see a very, uh, a very, very different Ray towards the end of the movie, don't you? But this is yeah. this is where the point where he's literally broken and just cannot take anymore, and he's like, that I see no way out of this. Which yeah. I mean, I think this is a great scene anyway, because you see that whilst Ken doesn't even want to kill him, he still go runs up to him and stops him from killing himself despite his orders. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's um, there's a funny moment later on um, when Harry comes into it. But anyway, uh, yeah, um, we'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah, yeah. So he stops him killing himself. But when he turns around to see Ken, he sees that he also has a gun in his hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, so this goes from like really sad to really comedic in a, in an instant, doesn't it? Yeah. And yeah, so that yeah, it's a really good scene, both emotionally and then the total switch to. Well, it's like a switch to comedy, but it's also still quite emotional. Yeah, it's very emotive comedy. It's very sort of like on, like you said, dark, dark on the knuckle sort of stuff. But it, it's a great way of cutting through the tension of the scene. You know, something that was potentially could have ground the film to a dead stop, or you know, could have ended the mm. movie. But no. Yeah. yeah, so they they have a bit of a heart-to-heart about, I guess, Ray's feelings and and he, it leads up to them, um, well, Ken giving Ray some money and putting him on a train to another, well, just telling him to go anywhere and start a new life. Yeah, because this is at the point when you find out, obviously, just before this scene where the hotel person, Marie gets given 200 euros after finding out that she's about she's she's pregnant and he feels bad about yeah. it yeah so yeah it's kind of his attempt to try and restore some kind of um i guess moral balance I, to his previous actions yeah and i guess obviously like his crime that he committed in london was that he murdered a priest so in the eyes of god He's probably not seen very kindly as getting into into heaven, so he's probably trying to to do some good deeds to to balance the books, <laughs> because they even have that conversation about heaven, hell, and purgatory like, like earlier on in the movie. Yeah, that that's just reminded me of another scene earlier in the film that really made me laugh when they're in the church, and I think it's um, 
they're looking up at something and it basically whatever's in this container mm-hmm. um, is the blood of Christ. Oh yeah, where well, he's talking about the dried blood. Yeah, and he <laughs> says, Do you wanna do you wanna go up and touch it? Yeah. And what does Ray say? Just... No, I don't wanna touch it. Or say it like that, I don't and, no, cause then because then can Oh, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll need to look. Yeah, look I, I'll need to see the, the specifics of the of the dialogue. Oh, I know what it is. He says, he says, do I have to? Oh yeah. Uh, and then and he says, do I have to? Of course you don't bloody have to. And he just goes on this rant about <laughs> it being the the blood of Christ. And of course you don't have to. But in reality, is thinking, why would you not want to go up there and touch the blood of Christ? It's so. Strange. It's another one of those. It came so fast at me, and because it was so early, I was like, "Is this real?" Yeah. But it just underlines that Ray doesn't care at all for the culture of or any kind of culture. He just no. He's like, just interested in it, a beer. Yeah, of course. And it's even funny later on in the movie where Harry's like obviously talks like about Bruges quite a lot to to Ken, and even he admits mm. that it's kind of a kind of a dump. Like, like as well. yeah. it's just it's really strange yeah because another reason when when they're in the first conversation on the the phone with harry um he genuinely sent them there because he thought it would be a nice place for ray to be when he dies yeah like it'd be a nice city for him to experience as like a last uh, i guess a lot treat yeah a last before memory he, before yeah but it's like the total opposite of where he wants to be yeah. and Ken eventually does tell him that after his um, suicide attempt and he tells him that um, Harry had ordered him to kill him and yeah. they'd sent them to Bruges as a as a last yeah memory for him mm-hmm. and Ray can't believe it um, yeah this is about the point where he gets put on the train by uh, Ken isn't he and sent away yeah and this this is the this is the the best scene, I think. Uh, is, are you um, talking about the interaction the between Ken and Harry? Yeah, because Brilliant. after he puts him on the train, um, Ken immediately rings up Harry from the train station. Yep. And he doesn't give Harry a chance to react. He just tells him what he's done. Um, if you want to come and find me, I'll be in Bruges for the next couple of days. Yeah. Goodbye. And that, yeah. It's the react. Look, this is what I was talking about, and I said this to someone earlier who was asking me about the film, or I recommended the film to. It's his reaction when he comes off the phone and he completely demolishes it. Yeah. <laughs> and the wife coming but, in and just saying it's an inanimate object, and his reaction to it is just yeah. my favourite angry reaction in a movie I think I've ever seen. You're an inanimate yeah. fucking object. <laughs> Yeah, his delivery it's, of that line—it's brilliant. His cinematic history. Oh, I was, I was dying with laughter. Oh, it's <laughs> unreal. Like he, yeah, he nails it. And I, uh, that's a meme. I don't know if you've ever seen that meme before. No, I haven't. I'm so glad I haven't. But now I'm probably going to yeah. go down the rabbit hole and find them. Yeah, cause, uh, and then like a, a couple of other the Discord servers I'm in, I just like mentioned oh, I'm watching in Bruce tonight. Yeah. First thing that someone to replied to me with was that meme, and um, yeah. Nice. Well, just, I'm glad um, I didn't see it then. Yeah, it's um, 
one for the ages. Oh, it's it's fantastic. The delivery is perfect. It's comedic. It's ridiculous at the same time, and then. Like, yeah. I even think it's funny, like, two minutes later where he's walking up to her and apologises, like, you're not an inanimate yeah. object. <laughs> yeah. This scene uh, is just, just, just perfect. It's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so, and, yeah, the outcome of all this is that Harry decides to make his way over to Bruges to, I guess, go and kill Ken. Yeah. Um... So yeah, he he arrives in Bruges and um, goes to. He spots Ken sitting outside a cafe, and the two of them have a drink. And Harry um, boasts that if if and this is what really um, comes in later in, in the in the last scene of the film. Mm-hmm. Ray, um, sorry, Harry boasts that if he shot a kid, then he would blow his his brains out right there on the spot. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah i can't say that i sort of i I mean it makes a lot more sense once you see the end of the movie but at the time i was sort of like a little bit of an odd thing to say but he is a dad so you can sort of understand if he ever was to harm a kid then he probably would not be overly happy about it but like yeah it shows his morality for sure especially later on in the movie yeah, it shows that he's got a set, like, even though he's a crim- criminal, he's got a set of principles that he'll live and die by. No questions, no questions asked. Yeah, and it seems um, like every single person in this movie who's a bad person to some degree has some principles. Hmm. So, well, ex- yeah. Except Jimmy, you know, his, him and his race wars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ken, uh, he argues to Ray that um, he just wanted to um, give Ray a second chance and everyone deserves a chance at redemption. Yeah, because you find out in this scene, don't you? This is his first job. Yeah. But, yeah, Harry isn't really having it. And so both of them ascend the bell tower, um, agreeing to have a shootout away from witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, just be- before all this, though, we uh, on the train that um, Ray was on. Yeah. Um, he gets arrested, and um, for for the assault sent- of the Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's sent back to Bruce. This was, it. This was strange, but it made sense at the same time. It was like, of all things to get done for on a, on this train going out of Bruce, and you ha- it happens to be for the assault of the two Canadians that were on the train. Yeah, um, I can't remember, but um, how does he get out of the jail? Is he bailed out? I think he is. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think it might be Chloe who bails him out. Yes, it yeah. is because then, because then he says about the um, about the drug dealer that he's like, oh, very funny. Like cause she, like because mm. he says it inside of a police station. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then after they get. After he's bailed out, they go and have a. They just go and like have a drink at the, at the cafe that um, Ken and Harry were previously sat at. Yeah. Um, and this is when so they've gone up in the bell tower, and he, they have this. Ken does a bit of a speech at the top, which basically converts. Harry and he said he can't bring himself to kill Ken anymore. Yeah. 
but it does shoot him in the leg. <laughs> um, and um, as, as punishment. So I mean, that makes sense, still, really. Yeah. So they're still at the top of the tower, and then the ex-boyfriend of Chloe... Um, I can't remember his name Oh, now. it's Yuri, is it? Yeah. Uh, no, he's the... Um, the the gun oh yeah, he is. Um, yeah, he spot. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but he spots Ray, doesn't he? Yeah, and uh, oh, it's Eric. That's the one. Yeah, he spots Ray, and then he goes up the belt. Oh, just and I need to bring this up before I forget. Mm -hmm. uh, the just shortly before they go up the bell tower, we have the ticket office guy again. Yeah, and. Um, uh, Harry offers him like 50 euros or whatever to just allow them to go up the tower after hours yep. and he does this he starts poking him in the head saying <laughs> do you not understand you stupid <laughs> Irish or uh, sorry yep. British people uh, and you just it's kind of horrible to watch yep. because you know what kind of character this Harry guy is and it's funny seeing Ken like his reaction is just like oh, oh god oh no oh, oh, oh no. dear <laughs> yeah yeah and he just walks off and then yeah I think he just does he headbutt him or I think, I, put, just smack him in the face he, something like that something involving his face he just gets crumpled basically yeah so that was very funny. Yeah, and, and he obviously um, got his comeuppance for being a job to earth. Yeah. And yeah, so that that was um, this this Eric guy. He shouts up the tower to say, um, "Ray is he's still alive yeah. and is in this cafe." And the immediate reaction of Harry is to they start having a bit of a, a tussle together. Mm -hmm. And eventually, he does manage to shoot him in the neck. Yeah. Um, and so, whilst Harry then makes his way down to go and kill Ke uh, Ray, uh, Ken slowly makes his way up the tower. Mm. And his intention... Uh, uh, well, initially, I thought... Is his intention that he thinks he's going to be able to shoot from all the way up there, shoot Harry that's, before he gets that's to... That's what I thought when I watched this. Because he gets his gun out initially, doesn't he? Does, he does, yeah. And but then he sees it's so foggy, he's got no chance. Yeah. Um, um, so his next plan is to basically throw himself off the bell tower to act as like a warning. Yeah, but also this this is the one small suspension of disbelief that I had with this is that he's fallen off his bell tower that looks quite high, let's say. Mm. Um. And it makes some impact on the floor, but yet he's still able to have a few words with Ray just before he dies. Yeah, nah, he I would have, he would have died instantly have on impact. He's already yeah. lost a lot of blood, been shot in the neck, you know, and in the leg. So, yeah, I don't think he survives this fall. Yeah. Well, he did, yeah, it should have, yeah, instant death. And just a quick point on this. Um, the he uses the coins that he wasn't able to spend it in the bell tower from earlier in the yeah film. it does the distraction at first isn't it yeah yeah to like make a clearing at the ah, bottom see so redemption for the jobsworth <laughs> yeah 
Um, but yeah, so he gets he, yeah, he goes and he warns Ray, and then we have a chase because we see um, Harry emerge from the bottom of the tower, and then he then chases after Ray, yep. shooting him, trying to shoot him. Um, they get to the hotel where um, Ray and Ken were staying, and um, there's a quite a funny interaction in there between them agreeing not to shoot whilst the pregnant yeah. owner is there. Yeah, another another check towards that morality box for the both of them. Yeah, and like the principles that certainly Harry has. Yeah, um, and Ray doesn't want to risk killing another child. Mm. Uh, so yeah, the the chase continues outside, and eventually they make their well. He does manage to shoot Ray, but it's non-fatal, um, and he slowly the, the chase goes to this um, this set of another film that's being filmed. Yeah, isn't this at the point where the uh, where he says, "Oh, it, you know, I'll go into the river, and you could shoot me from there." Yeah. And he does shoot him. Yeah, he gets onto the boat, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but then he gets off the boat after he's been shot mm. and then makes his way to this film yeah. set. Um, and this is another... The, I can't remember the... Well, the film that's being filmed is like this movie which is like fantasy-based. And this is like alluding to the what's been mentioned previous in the film about like Bruges being this fairy tale place yeah. um, because all the people like the actors there they're dressed up in like um, fantasy creature costumes yeah like, like bunny costumes and stuff like that yeah it's like Alice in Wonderland type deal and um, yeah so that was like some good foreshadowing earlier in the film yeah it sort of reminds me as one of those poncy sort of college movies that you would find someone <laughs> someone making that thinks it's like a great piece of art but just looks like complete shit basically yeah and this so yeah he he catches up with um, Ray and Ray he stood in front of the dwarf um, character mm-hmm. sorry what was his name uh, Jimmy um, Jimmy and so this was like this was a good like point where it clicked for me in the film because like I just thought Jimmy was going to be seen as like this comedy character like oh, oh it's a dwarf yeah um, especially like as we've said it's like dark humour so like back then um, in like the early noughties the like dwarfs were seen as like people that um, yeah they were just something that people made fun of yeah yeah. And and um, so I just thought, oh, is, was this character just being there for comedy reasons? But no, there is actually a reason um, that his character is a dwarf. Mm-hmm. And that's because he's dressed up as a student. Yeah. And he, uh, Ray, once Harry shoots Ray, and I think he also puts quite a few bullets into him, mm-hmm. one of the bullets goes through and also hits Jimmy. Yeah. Blowing his head open. Yeah, that was quite brutal, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, so, because I think the first time I saw this film, I thought, well, why is... Because, as we see, uh, Harry kills himself on the spot yeah. after seeing what he's done. Yeah, and that's 
probably because he actually thinks it is a kid. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's certainly why. Um, and because his, uh, Jimmy's head's been blown off, it's not like he could have been identified as a, as a dwarf, no. not a, a child. Um, yeah, it's not like he was rocking around with like a, a massive beard or anything like that, was it? He was specifically in school uniform and clean shaven to be to appear as a kid. Well, I think even if he did have a beard, his his head had been totally yeah, could to put it yeah, it could be it'd been destroyed. Oh yeah, of course. So um, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't know it was a child, uh, sorry, a dwarf and. The only thing I didn't really get here was, um, like, after Ray has like crawled up to the to his body, mm. he tries to say to Harry, "Oh no, like, he wasn't a kid," but he can't quite manage to say it before because he's like he's on his he's on his last legs anyway, so yeah. he can't quite manage to get it out of his mouth. Um, but yeah, it's, I just thought, why would you want to? stop Harry from killing himself after all he's put you through. Yeah, I wasn't too sure about that. Maybe he maybe he just got to the point where he was like, look at all this bloodshed that's happening like on my watch. Maybe maybe I should say something so that he can just finish me off. Yeah. Or like um he didn't want to make his um Harry's kids fatherless. Yeah, that's also possible as well. He's already uh he already made an, um, one set of parents because he specifically mentions that, doesn't he, about the unopened presence of the kids, right? And the parents having yeah. to watch that, and he—it's what he says that makes him break down, I think, wasn't it? And he just, mm. yeah, I guess that's something that's just going for probably is going through his head potentially. We don't know. I guess it's sort of one of those ambiguous moments, isn't it? Yeah, it's and it shows that just how much Harry sticks to his principles to the point where I think he even says as he's about to pull the trigger, you've got to stick to your principles or stick to your beliefs, something like that. Yeah, so either you need to stick to your beliefs or stick to your principles. It was some, one of the two. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he he's, uh, he's killed himself and um, the, an ambulance comes and collects Ray mm-hmm. and the final scene is of him looking up into the sky from the um, the stretcher that he's on. Yeah. And speculating that is is he in purgatory or is it hell? <laughs> him being in Bruges. Yeah. And his final words are: "He really hopes that he doesn't die," and we don't find out. No. Either, either way. I I like that though. I. Yeah. I think it. I think it's one of those sorts of things, like those kinds of endings. That you, that you look at and you go, you make your own judgment out of it, just like Inception, where you're like, does he, re- does he really get back? Yeah, in, for the example of Inception, does he really get back to his kids and is it real? This is, does he live or is he actually like, is he in purgatory? Yeah, really. Yeah. You know, is he die? Does he live or die? Yeah. For some films, I don't like ambiguous endings. But for others like this, I like that. But I can't put my finger on 
why I like them in some films and not others. I, I guess it's down to a tone of the movie. Like if it's set up certain mysteries throughout without you sort of realizing it, and then sort of leaves you on that knife edge. That's probably why, mm. and that's why his Inception is probably a good example for that because you set up this big mystery at that in that movie of oh he's got to try and get back to his kids, but he's not allowed to because the minute he steps on steps foot on U.S. soil, he's going to prison. So mm. you know, and he he always has the dream of getting back to the kids, but never seeing the face. So the so the the time that he sees their face and is able to embrace them, is it really real? Yeah, and that's that's the thread that I think is uh, is a great one in that movie, and I think it's the thread that definitely fits well within this movie and leaves you on that knife edge, especially with the mystery as well. Yeah. All right. Well, that's um, that's the end. Hmm. We're getting some uh, interesting films out of this new series, aren't we? We've watched <laughs> uh, four movies that are good to yeah. great to excellent you know and also we've had two films that have involved Ralph Fiennes as well yeah uh, yeah it will be interesting to see if we do come across film at some point which there is disagreement on. I think there will be a couple because there's a there's one on the list that I know we may disagree about right there's also one on there that I've recommended I'm unsure about what anyone would think about it because it's very, uh, it's a. Sh I wouldn't say it's a strange film. It's just, it's not your typical film that you would expect. Right. Okay. Well, let's um, wrap up our thoughts and uh, give it a rating. So okay. you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I haven't really got much else to say that I haven't already said. Really, this is a fantastic movie. Uh, I've gushed about it all the way through this episode for for the right reasons. It's incredibly well acted by uh, everyone involved, even the lesser known people that I didn't even, you know, hadn't seen in movies before. They're all brilliant, but obviously the standouts are the three main leads. You know, the chemistry between Ray, uh, between Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson is just incredible. It's dynamic. You know, there's a, probably a reason why they've worked on multiple movies together now because it seems to work. Um, Ralph Fiennes as a villain always works as a villain, but he's like, he's such a cartoony villain in this one, but yet so incredibly good, especially some of his reactions to, to what's going on. It's just unbelievable. Um, the dialogue is snappy. It's got a good soundtrack as well, uh, even though we didn't really mention it through the film. It's subtle, but it it, it hits when it needs to hit um, and it's like I said yeah at the beginning top 10 definitely in the top 10 list now without a doubt and I will be going back and watching this one quite a few times I think yeah I would um, oh yeah sorry 5 out it, of 5 yeah I'd also give it 5 out of 5 um, it's very rare that I buy physical editions of films mm -hmm like the blu-rays but i only buy them for the films that i really love yeah and um yeah this was one that i got quite recently so I, this was the first time watching the the blu-ray of it okay um quite something actually was quite good about the blu-ray edition it comes with um his previous film uh, it's a short film which i believe you can watch on youtube so okay. it's worth watching called i think it's six shooter 
Alright. Uh, so yeah, that and uh, worth checking that out if you've got a spare 20 minutes. Uh, well, I probably won't watch it on YouTube. This will be one like with you. I'll go and buy it because I'm, I'm exactly the same. I only sort of own films or physical media of stuff that I really like. This mm. will definitely be on that list. Yeah. Yeah, um, I couldn't, couldn't really fault the film at all. Just absolutely brilliant. No, it, the dark. if I had to, it's just the tiniest little nitpicks and they're not enough for me to make that much of a criticism about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so cool. Yeah, thanks for choosing it, audience. Yes, yeah, very um, good film. You've done us well so far. Yeah. So before we uh, end the show, um, there's going to be a slight detour next week uh, or next episode mm-hmm. where I, I've, I'm going to be editing a podcast. Yeah, so yep. as a little test recording, um, we're not going to be covering any... Well, we are going to be covering films, but not in the traditional sense of us watching a film. What we're going to do is each of us is going to come up with our top five favourite films and basically just um, just discuss them yeah and why we like them so much so yeah I think it should be interesting yeah it definitely be an interesting episode because it will be films that obviously probably both of us have watched that we wouldn't be able to cover previously and obviously also gives you a chance to edit your first ever podcast so it'll be, yeah. it'll be interesting yeah because I, I think I know I think we both know each other's favorite but yeah I wouldn't know your top five yeah it's going to be a tough list to try and nail down because there's so many films on there that i that and i don't know if this is the same with you does does your top five tend to change frequently yeah yeah that's the, I think say, that's the problem i think my, my top three is pretty nailed i'd say it's pretty yeah, close yeah for me yeah might be a good idea to make it top 10 but we can discuss that uh, off air we will see how how difficult it is to choose the five yeah all right cool well yeah let's uh, let's end it there so if you want to follow us on twitter it's at neverwatchers um and yeah send us any feedback on uh, this episode uh and uh, if you want to send me um a dm i'm also i'm at angry underscore kurt on twitter i don't use twitter but i would see dms come through okay and if you want to find us in any on discord we're in a couple of um servers for modern escapism and rapid reviews yeah uh i am no longer on twitter i don't receive dms or anything like that but if you do want to get in contact any other way it's by email and that's neverwatcherspodcast at gmail.com all right cool thank you for listening and we'll see you next week or next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.